There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast with Greg Smith. Exclusively on the Herd App Media Network. Tell it to me straight up. Hello, and welcome into the Straight Up Breakdown Podcast, proudly part of the Hale Varsity Network. I am Greg Smith. You are, I did not actually grill this weekend, so I'm feeling kind of like weird about the start of the week, friend. Um, today, I am joined by another special guest. Last week, we had Derek Peterson from Hale Varsity. This week, I am joined by fellow Peloton enthusiast um, and Hale Varsity Deputy Editor Aaron Sorensen. Aaron, how are you? I'm good. No one can see this when you're listening to it, but I am drinking coffee out of a Peloton mug as we speak. So very much a Peloton enthusiast. I am good, though. Grateful. Grateful the weather is getting nicer, I think. Maybe, hopefully. I haven't looked for this week. Um, And it's funny because it's now a running joke. And I did not even tell you this before we started that every start to these podcasts talk about the weather. And I feel like you talk about the weather often on your podcast. Uh, Yeah. It's Sasha Durkin. Um, It just comes up like it's a really weird thing that like it comes up all the time. Um, But like given Nebraska, like you guys can relate to those of you in Nebraska, like with how weird it always is around here. Like, and I am definitely, and anyone listening also would be like, Aaron, just go move somewhere else. But I'm definitely <laughs> a creature of very nice weather that if it's nice outside, I definitely thrive better with, you know, warmer weather. So I think that's why it comes up so much because you usually can tell what state of mind I'm in based on what the weather is doing outside. So like in our podcast with the Mind Your Own podcast, you could probably hear me being like very like distraught about the weather for like a few months and now it's like in the upswing. So you can actually just gauge how I feel about most things based on what the weather is doing. You know, it's funny you say that because I feel like over time I've become more and more that way too. Like I never used to understand why people would like get older and move to somewhere warm. Like I just never got the concept. I was like, what do you mean? Like you're not outside that long. Like it's really not cold that much. You're not like, outside <laughs> that long. Like it's just, you know, I just never thought about it that way. I just thought it was kind of weird. I apologize fully to all of those people that I slandered in my mind because I I totally understand it now. Like I I completely get why you would move to Arizona or Florida, not even have to wait until you get older, just do it. Um, Because Mm -hmm. it does really affect your mood and it changes like everything that you can do. Like you like to run outside, like Mm -hmm. you have that available to you. It's actually nice. Now you can do it when it's cold. I don't like going outside and working out when it's cold because I just don't want to think about slipping on ice and like breaking an ankle. Um, but there are plenty of people to do that do that. If it's your jam, fine. Um, but it needs to be warm for me. And the warmer, the better too. If it's close to 100, I'm totally fine. <laughs> like that is totally cool with me. Yeah, I see people who are always like running in the winter with like those spikes or the grates on the bottom right. of their shoes, like tires and like all power to you. I could not do that. I'd somehow still manage to completely eat it all the time. Right. Yeah. It's just something where I I think the coordination of it 
um, is probably something that I just don't have, which is why I also prefer just running on a treadmill. Um, it works perfectly fine for me, and I'm just totally cool with that. Uh, now, each week, we start off talk with our um, opening segment, which is Coach Speak. Um, it's a mainstay of the show where we go over something that a coach, player, or talking head said, and then we kind of give you the real talk behind what it was that they mean. Coach Speak to Real Talk. Now, this week, it comes courtesy of someone that I don't think I've, I've used in this segment on the show. He's definitely come up on Put Him On Blast. Um, it's Derek Peterson, last week's guest. Favorite I was going to say, wasn't Derek who put him on blast? <laughs> no, it wasn't. I forget who Derek put on blast. It was someone that you expected him to do, but it was not. I think it might have been Paul George. I think it was a <laughs> game player. I just always assume anytime uh, Kevin Grant, spoiler alert, is put on uh, blast it's it's Derek but yeah I, w- I was surprised too maybe he just didn't do anything that week because I think he was still <laughs> injured when <laughs> when that happened and now he's back and so he's back in the news and he did a sit-down interview with ESPN I think with Rachel Nichols um, and he had this to say which I found really interesting about um, what actually fuels him now um, that he's with the Nets he said quote I wasn't expecting to be a happy human from um, winning a title Um, I was just expecting like, you know, like the ending of a movie, once you work so hard and everybody tells you like, yo, this is what you need to be working for, this gold ball and these rings. And I'm just like, all right, cool, let me lock in on that. And I locked in on that, wanting to achieve that. But I also realized that it's a lot of stuff that factors in that are out of my control. And once I won a championship with Golden State, I realized that like my view on this game is really about development. Like, how good can I be? It's not about, you know, let's go get this championship. I appreciate that stuff, and I want to win to experience that stuff, but it's not the be-all, end-all of why I play the game. So, Aaron, what did Kevin Durant actually mean by all of that? Well, when you talk about Coach Speak, this is like a coach's dream. Like, this is what you <laughs> want. I mean, yes, fans, coaches, they want to win championships. Coaches lose jobs when they don't win championships. But – He's basically saying, I don't care about this one particular event anymore, this one end-all be-all. I care about everything that goes into making that possible. I care about my Mm -hmm. development. I care about how I'm progressing as a player. Can I be better than I was? And I I think that's probably, in my opinion, it's probably the most mature next step for someone like Kevin Durant in his career to feel that way. And it is very much coach speech. I promise you, he is still very much driven (laughs) by championships, (laughs) just like LeBron James is very much driven by championships. He, he makes decisions that are good for him as an athlete, but good for him in the opportunity to win. You, you are going to do that, but LeBron obviously functions as somebody who wants to be great at what he does in all facets of his life. So that's not going to only revolve around one thing being a championship. So I honestly, I think this is like an incredibly mature viewpoint for Durant, knowing that he probably still feels like everyone else. Yes. You don't get into this game just wanting to be subpar, but it's good to know that he's putting that focus on himself as a player. But like I said, that's like a coach's dream. This is what coaches want you to say. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's really, to me, this all, and he did not explicitly say it this way, but this is something that has been talked about a lot when it comes to Kevin Durant, which is when he won those championships with Golden State, a lot of people believe, and he has never explicitly said this, that he viewed that once he won those championships, that he would be viewed as the best player in the world. 
that people would see him on that stage and see how great he is. And he is great. There's no denying that. I think he's the second best player in the league outside of LeBron James. Um, but like, I, I think that he thought that that would vault him to number one. It did not. <laughs> and in fact, it like created yeah, LeBron more backlash. James to get in front of. Yeah, like he had, well, he had LeBron to get in front of, but I talk about this sometimes too, and we've talked about it here on this pod about LeBron has been number one since really like his second or third year in the league. And that includes time in which he overlapped with Kobe. Like he passed him very early in his career. But what happened with LeBron is, is that he was number one or has been number one for so long that people are always trying to find that next person to then put over him, right? And so, and then create this rivalry. So it's been Steph Curry, it's been Kawhi Leonard recently. And then that kind of went away. Kevin Durant had his little time in there, which is why I think he, another reason why he thought that he would then be elevated to number one but then what I think that Kevin didn't factor in to the whole like, hey, I'll win these championships and everybody will recognize my amazing greatness is that the backlash from him then going to the Warriors, I think, created a situation in which people were very reluctant to then say he was the best player in the world because you you can make the argument that he was not the best player on that team because Steph Curry was so great during those runs, right? I do not believe in that for the record. And I've said that so many times in so many different places. I think that Kevin Durant is better than Steph Curry. I I would take him 10 times out of 10 over Steph. Um, I I think Steph Curry is overrated, but that's like a whole different like situation. I think he runs off a lot of screens and benefits from like the other good players on his team, like whatever. That's a whole different thing. Maybe if I have Jacob Padilla on, he can yell at me about that um, (laughs) because we've had back and forth about that quite a bit. Um, But so I think that that plays into a big thing of it. And I think that like part of what Kevin said in this is that he thought that it was going to be for him personally, this big moment where he wins these championships and like the skies part and like, you know, things rain down on him and he's like so happy but it wasn't the case. He did, I don't think he found the joy in those championships also that he thought that he would get. And that's where I 100% agree with you about kind of the really mature way of thinking about this. And I think that that's where he also, when he made the decision to go to Brooklyn, and yes, in a way, he was forming just a different super team with his buddy Kyrie Irving, but it was different. And that's more of their team And I think that he wanted to then put his own stamp on something. But I also think that the reason why it was so important for him or part of the reason to go play with his friend and Kyrie Irving in Brooklyn is because he knew that that would then ultimately make him happier as a person, just playing with someone that he really gets along with um, and that he already, you know, had a rapport with. I think that all of that kind of is interwoven together. It makes for a really interesting story. That's what's so interesting in this whole situation, because there's just so much at play with all of this. Yeah, and I think also going through the injuries that he did that have taken him out of the game for as long as it did, I think that also, um, you know, thankfully he's been able to return a lot of times injuries that take people away from the game as long as they've taken him that way, like can sometimes just end careers. So, um, you know, a blessing that he can, he can continue to play the game that he loves. I actually, um, I don't talk. I don't talk about this super often. I know the Hill varsity staff knows, but anyone who's listening to this podcast now will know. I actually have like a one degree of separation from Kevin Durant. Uh, A good friend of my fiance and I, uh, he played with him at Texas. 
has remained friends with him through the years. Uh, if anyone is familiar with Matt Hill, he's a assistant coach for the Atlanta Hawks now. Um, I have a very different perspective, I think, than a lot of people sometimes of Durant because of knowing Matt and hearing the stories that he shares. So sometimes with athletes, I think that we forget their ages and we either put them on these pedestals or we assume that they're older, more mature than they are, or we forget just like, it happens a lot, I think, in college where we kind of say, remember that Adrian Martinez is only 21 years old or remember that this person is only 18 years old because I think sometimes there's this habit to assume that they've lived this long life of a lot of experience and everyone is different. Kevin Durant is 32. He is essentially the same age as me. I'm like, I think like six months older than him or something. Like we are at a very similar place in life as far as age. And I think about like the way that I handle things and the fact that like, I feel like I wake up, I, excuse me, I wake up every day and I'm learning something new. I am making mistakes. I am hopefully learning from those mistakes. I'm getting better. He is, he is very much somebody who he went into the NBA at a very young age, has had to grow up in front of a lot of people Uh, When you talk about like the burner account incident, like he is somebody, and I will say like for myself, I, it is really hard to read what people say sometimes about you on the internet and to just say nothing. And so you're fumbling through this whole thing, this whole thing. And he's fumbling through it in a time when you could say, well, so was LeBron. LeBron was fumbling through these things too. But again, every single person is different. Every personality is different. And whereas LeBron is just an old soul. He is just was born an old soul and that is who he is. So he stepped into this role sort of with a maturity that I think a lot of people wish they had. I was definitely not as mature as LeBron James was early in his career. Like he, I think knowing Durant through somebody, it has helped provide that gentle reminder which you'd think working in sports I would have but like I I think it's good to have this reminder these are human beings they're not perfect they're going to mess up they're going to say the wrong thing they're going to do the wrong thing um seeing what he said about sort of like his approach now going forward like I said it's the most mature thing he can have as far as where he's at is where he is at in his career now going forward is he is saying I've learned a lot I have accomplished the thing, that goal, that peak, that pinnacle, but now here's how I want to go forward. That's pretty good for him. Like, I, yeah. I mean, he, he seems like he's in a better place as far as like his own confidence in himself. That all comes, that all comes full circle in a way. And we all take our time to get to those places. Some people never will. So it seems at least for me, he's finding comfort in who he is. And he's settling into who he is and just appreciating what he has done and not worrying so much about, am I winning that championship or not? I think you get better players when they approach things like that. Yeah. I think you get India. I think you get more well-balanced people when, yes. you, when you approach things like that. And I think it's funny that you bring up the age thing because I, I kind of think about that sometimes. And that's how like, because LeBron and I, because LeBron is a few years older than Kevin, LeBron and I are the same age, basically. Like, I think we're like 
six months apart or something like that because my and the way I remember that is because my freshman year of college I remember being in Abel Hall at Nebraska and watching Abel. LeBron on high school good old Abel Hall I could do an entire podcast on Abel Hall <laughs> um, <laughs> we will not to protect the innocent um, but we, we would get together and watch those high school games right with him and Carmelo when they faced off um, on those televised ESPN games and those that was kind of everyone's introduction to LeBron James and so it sometimes hit, hits me when you see LeBron and like doing all of the things that he's done and handling all the different situations and handling all very well and I'm like man we're the same age like it's very odd sometimes to think about it that way and because we do cover college sports um, for a living I do think about the age of like the players that we're covering all the time and that as as fans I feel like and this is not unique to Husker fans necessarily I think that fans of all major colleges are like this to a degree like you expect so much out of these kids that when they get here are still kids and I see this so much with recruiting especially um, that you sometimes forget like for example a really big one for me right now and he doesn't come up a ton but he did last week Ruquan Buckley um, Tony Tuioti mentioned him last week and he was like yeah he's really learning and he's loving he's sitting with Dennis LeBlanc and getting into his academics and he's working really hard learning from Ben Stilley and all of that and you forget that he's 17 still yeah like, i mean scott frost, scott frost <laughs> brought it up where he said a lot of these players that came in and are new on his team not to completely derail into recruiting and football but i mean just for like comparison's sake these are these are kids who should be preparing for their proms like yeah. getting ready to walk across the straight stage at graduation but have opted to do away with that to get a head start in college but that doesn't inherently make you more mature. So when you think of these NBA no. <laughs> players who maybe spend one year in college or really no time before they end up in the biggest league they'll ever play in, it is an, it is an adjustment. And some people get it like that. Yep. Some people, it takes a while. And I think Durant is one of those people that has always been massively talented, but I think he had to mature as a player and as a person. And that has just taken him time. Yeah, it absolutely has. And, you know, it's funny, we, I brought up Carmelo Anthony um, in relation to LeBron James because they're always linked. He's like that, right? Think about what Carmelo Anthony was like in the Denver days and mm-hmm. then kind of in the New York times and then what he's been like is kind of this older, like, version of himself. Now, you can make the argument that some of that he had to be humbled by, like, being released and then kind of spending a little bit of time out of the game. But, like, however you get there, right? Like, every, we all know, um, everybody listening to this knows that how you get that extra layer of maturity is different for everyone. Um, and they, it just comes in different situations. So you've seen that with Carmelo and you've seen that with a number of athletes. So I do think that it's, it's cool to see Kevin arrive in that place because the thing that, as somebody that I like him, so I, I'm, I'm not Derek, I like Kevin Durant. Um, and so like, I want to see him find that piece. And it does seem like that's happening a little bit. Um, so that's great. Yeah. I mean, like when we talk about it from a coach speak perspective too, you have to be pretty happy as a coach. I think, I think anytime you can hear a player say, I care about my development, I care about the, the things that make me great. That's what you want because putting the goal on a championships, like for instance, Nebraska volleyball is getting ready to take its shot at an NCAA tournament. And that is the goal. It's always the goal every single year. But when you look at, when you look at that goal, it's not just, it's not just the goal that motivates and moves these 
moves these athletes along. John Cook is really good as, as a coach with knowing that it's all about the little details of getting there. It's about, you know, perfecting your serve, making sure you're serving tough, doing this, doing that, doing this, making sure if you're um, not getting enough production from one side of your, like one side of your hitters isn't like providing enough production, you're probably not winning that national title. So yes, the goal is the title. Like that is what you want to get to, but there's all of these other things that have to happen. It is your perspective. It's your mentality. It's your game. It's perfecting all of these things along the way. And that's been tough about, you know, 2020, 2021 for a lot of these athletes because it's taken that away. But I mean, to get to a championship, you don't just wake up and go, I'm going to, I'm going to win a championship. You've got to put the work in. It's not like, it's not like LeBron James wakes up every day and just goes, yeah, you know, I feel like winning a championship this year. In order to do that, no matter what team he's with, you have to put the work in. Your whole team has to put the work in. You don't just show up and decide to do that. So I think seeing what Durant is saying one is a coach I could see a lot of like high school coaches taking this and being like look at this um but yeah I think he's he's showing a level of yes championships matter but to get there I have to care about me first and I have to care about how I'm developing because I can't I can't take a team where it needs to go if I'm not worrying about bettering myself and maybe maybe the injuries provided that perspective right yeah, it absolutely could have. Um, and speaking of championships, um, the Masters were this weekend, right? And so it's always a big deal. Uh, people really love the Masters. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama uh, won the Masters this year. Um, he was the first Japanese man to ever win the Masters. So congratulations to them. That was a really big deal. Um, there were some really cool moments um, surrounding his win over the weekend. But that is not where I want to go with this, actually. <laughs> Let's break that down. Um, it, there was a, a really nice video piece, and I think it was the actual Masters put this together, um, chronicling kind of, they kind of pulled generations of, of men in a family that shared this love of the Masters, and that was their thing. And there are a lot of people out there, and I know a lot of them, um, that shared that with their families or with their dads, their uncles, you know, their sons are passing it down, their daughters, like everything. I, I've seen the whole gamut of that. And it kind of got me to thinking, over this last year, we've obviously lost a lot of those things, like, right? Like, we've talked about, like, all of the different, like, events that have either been canceled or things that have even come back here recently that did not have fame. We've talked about the NBA, the NBA with the bubble and how different that was. And so it, it made me think of different sporting events that either happened or didn't happen over the last year that are something that are those types of things for us. So like the Masters is not necessarily that thing for me. I did watch golf with my dad um, growing up and also shout out to my dad because we're recording this on Monday and it is his birthday today. Um, so happy birthday. Yeah, happy uh, birthday. Um, and so but the, the, we did watch golf a lot and we played golf um, together and that was the thing. We actually bonded more with golf over playing the Tiger Woods video game. Um, we used to make these weird side bets about it. Like if I beat him in Tiger Woods golf on the computer, then I would get to take the car for the weekend like those sorts of things like or for the night um so we always had that weird stuff but I, I was just kind of wondering about those things and you guys all kind of have those sporting events that you bond with your family members or close friends with for me the first one that actually came to mind that we missed this year um is the Kentucky Derby so and I don't know if I've ever actually talked about this on this podcast if it's ever come up I'm a big Kentucky Derby fan I do not 
necessarily get super into horse racing like in general outside of the derby like we'll kind of check in to the other big races uh, but the derby is our jam um, and like my dad and my stepmom, they really get into it. They've been down there and they have like the glasses and everything. And so do me and my wife. Um, and we've gone to the track, um, Churchill Downs to go and check it out. But we were there one week from when the Derby was happening. Um, the last time that we were down there. So it's on our like sports bucket list to be able to go and do this to the point to where one year and we were going to do it in 2020. And this is where like it kind of hit me is that 2020 was going to be the year that we finally had what we've been kind of building up to our derby party. Like we have this big idea that we want to have this big party at our house where like everyone has to dress up. You're not coming to my house if you don't dress up. Um, so know that ahead of time. So you need to dress up. You need to have a hat. We're going to make like mint juleps and like special drinks and like we're going to have food and do the whole night yard and watch all the dirt together. Like because it kind of started with me and my dad and then like my wife has gotten into it. And so that's the thing that I kind of missed or the first thing that I thought of that I kind of missed um, from this last year because it did not happen the way that it um, normally does. And I thought they were just going to try and do it, um, <laughs> but they didn't do it the normal way. So I guess, Aaron, do you have something like that that came to mind for you that is that sporting event that like you and your people kind of coalesce around? I don't feel like... I don't feel like, see, that's pretty cool. I, I don't feel like I have that. I feel like I'm a pretty big consumer of sports in the sense that like there's always something on. So during March Madness, uh, it's usually on in the background, whether that's, you know, a women's game or a men's game. Mm -hmm. I tend to just leave things on. I am very much a, uh, I'm very much like a mindless television watcher where I like having background noise. So I, things like the masters, I just throw it on in the background. I uh -huh. might not be like actively watching it, but it's just a part of the background. Same thing with the NBA um, playoffs, the finals. I may not care about either team that are playing, but I really enjoy the um, sort of planning those and having them on, watching them. Um, I think that's been the hardest part for me is just missing those things because I, I sort of like benchmark times in the year when right. these things happen and now they're not happening well they weren't they're obviously coming back yeah, and more start to make that come back yeah but it's just i don't know that was i think the hard part for me in 2020 was when everything just stopped sort of like you know i i will be perfectly honest sorry to anyone who thinks that like sports reporters just live and breathe and die sports <laughs> but I I tend to try to separate myself a lot of times when you know when a football season ends because I've been so consumed with it that I don't go and watch a lot like in my free time like I just kind of like will spend that time either not watching tv or you know just watching something entirely separate um but I do enjoy the kind of the camaraderie of a lot of these events. And when Twitter is good, Twitter is good. And I enjoy, you know, when people are tweeting about certain things and it's funny and entertaining, but yeah, I, I don't have like one that's like, I particularly have to watch it or have some kind of event that goes around it. But I think just not having them has been hard. I think it's, been kind of a reminder for me personally of how much sports they matter for 
they matter for so many people. They, they make us feel a sense of community. They give us something to root for, something to cheer for. It really, it really is like the whole human experience around these things. So to lose them really stunk. So I'm glad that they're returning. Hopefully they continue to return safely. Um, But yeah, I just, I think about like not having like, I don't know. The NBA bubble was fun. The, the NBA and WNBA bubbles were fun in 2020, 2020. I don't know how to say that like here sometimes. Um, but they definitely weren't the same. And I right. think I'm looking forward to kind of just having like more of like what is quote unquote normal, whatever normal is now. <laughs> yeah. Whatever the new normal is. Yeah. I, I definitely agree that like those bubbles were, they were as fun as they could have been um, for what they were selfishly because my team won the NBA championship. I would have loved to have been able to see that with like the actual crowd at Staples center and getting to see like a parade and all of that. Like that would have been very fun. Um, we like <laughs> just a spoiler alert because you know, Aaron is technically my boss. Um, if the Lakers <laughs> were to win this championship again this year, we are going to the, the parade um, <laughs> if that happens. So like. That'll be a that fast is, turnaround for you. Okay. I've already mapped all of that out. It would be very, very fast. It's, it would actually be really hard to pull off because you don't ever know long enough in advance. And I never noticed that until the Chiefs won the Super Bowl. And like, like they the announced like the later. day before, <laughs> like, hey, we're going to have tomorrow, there'll be the parade. Mm-hmm. So getting to Kansas City from Lincoln is one thing. Getting to LA um, is going to be it's a very total. different thing. Yes. So we'll, we'll see how that goes. But I, I've got a couple of ideas around that, not to derail the conversation. But the other thing that I actually thought of in this event just happened, um, and I still enjoyed the NCAA tournament, like March Madness, all of that. I still enjoyed it. I never realized how much I like watching that event with people. And that is really the only event that I really go out of, really the only one now, that I go out of my way to watch with other people. And it, it's just more fun to me, like to like maybe go to a sports bar and like just kind of watch those, especially those first two days of the tournament. And you got people kind of going mm-hmm. nuts in there. And like already your bracket is busted. You're throwing the thing in the air. Like I like that. All of that is really fun. Um, otherwise, I'm not a huge like watch sports with a big group of people, um, especially my team, like or teams like I just I don't want you guys to see what it looks like when I'm like doing that. Um, But March Madness was different for me this year um, without being able to do that, like kind of socially. Yeah. And I guess I could say one thing that I really missed over the last year was all of the, everything that happens around college sports. So college football, yes, college football is college football because of the game because the athletes on the field who are putting in the work, but there is also something to be said about the band, about the cheerleaders, about the crowds and the events that take place around it. The, in Nebraska's case, the unity walk, the Mm -hmm. tailgating, there's just so much festivity in college athletics. When you think about college game day, the show, it exists entirely around that of showing that off of, showing people what makes college great what makes a football program more than a football program what makes um basketball volleyball softball baseball all of this stuff is great but there's something to be said about the fan experience and everything else and while i was 
while I will never say like, I didn't appreciate the opportunity to cover Nebraska because it meant I had a job. And I think people miss the kind of misinterpret that when I say this, but I didn't miss, you know, going to game days and having the experience that I'm used to of fighting through crowds and having the music in the background and feeling slightly inconvenienced by having to fight people into the elevator to get back to my seat (laughs) after the tunnel walk. Like these are, these are things that are all a part of it. And this last year has been, in my opinion, very lonely in a way, just even the people that check you into the stadium, it's very much a quick, let's just get you checked in and get you moving along. And I understand, but those are some of the best people to spend a little bit of time talking to. You learn a lot about them. So, yeah, I think I, I think if I looked at like an event from like a job perspective, I'm looking forward to just having the experience again of being around what college athletics truly are. And I hope people sincerely appreciate them more than ever, because I think sometimes we can lose perspective on what matters. And this last year for me has shown Wins and losses are important. Kind of going back to what we said, coaches get fired over not winning championships. (laughs) They get fired over not winning, but there's so much more to this than just the wins and the losses. And it's it's interesting though, too, because I did not think about like, like what we do for work and how that changed over the last year and missing that until you kind of laid it out there. And then I was just kind of thinking as you were even talking about like, think about at the beginning and Husker fans listening to this will definitely understand this. Think about at the beginning of a game, when you're in that part where we're about to leave the field to go back upstairs um, and they're starting to get ready to get uh, the tunnel walk going. um, And they're playing that Phil Collins song and the coaches are lining Mm -hmm. up and like high-fiving each other. And then they go back to the locker room and you can feel that electricity and that energy in the state as they get ready and they start chanting Husker power like you like those things as just even as you said that and it starts to come back to my mind because it's been a year since it's happened mm-hmm. like those stuff it's really special and different schools have those different things right I'm sure like the Florida Gators have their own thing like that and people miss that there too um, but this is the one that we know um, and so those moments are really special and it is on a lighter note, a really good thing to know that Aaron, you also miss like me and Derek, like stealing your hook in the press box and not having a place to put your I don't, bag. I don't so miss that. Miss all of those things. I don't huh? miss, I don't miss having to fight for space. That was actually one nice thing was the <laughs> amount of space. I was like, this is great. If we could figure out how to like give everybody like an extra three feet, this would be great. Yeah, I mean, a special press box extension. <laughs> I have been in some very, very tight press boxes in my lifetime. And I'm thinking like, yikes, this last year ha- would have been like a nightmare to have that many people. Nobody was, but like in the future, it's like, no, this is nice. Like not having to like knock elbows <laughs> with somebody as you're like sitting there trying to type on your computer. Cause mm. press boxes were definitely not designed in the idea of like computers. Now Nebraska is, right. is much nicer. It's been renovated. So it's different, but like, some are still very much like grab your pen and paper because that is what it used to be. Yeah, Michigan State, I feel like, is like that. <laughs> where like it, It's very much cramped. And there's numerous ones around the Big Ten. Um, but each week we have uh, our final segment. It is my favorite segment of each week called Put Them on Blast, uh, where we put somebody on blast for something that they did or said um, in recent times. Put them on blast. And Aaron, as my guest, I'm going to let you go first because we had, I think we came, we would have come to the same conclusion had we not talked about this ahead of time. And it's really fun 
funny because my wife actually mentioned this to me before <laughs> I even mentioned it to you. She goes, somebody needs to put the NCAA on blast. Um, so I will let you take the first swing at this and I'll <laughs> jump in. Yeah, so the NCAA continues to just disappoint. And I'm going to kind of just rehash a Twitter thread that I, I shared last week. Uh, I've, I've tried to start writing columns and I just, I haven't quite gotten myself to a place where I know what I want to say yet in, in that format. But mm -hmm. so it all really began with the women's basketball tournament when there was just some discrepancies between how it was being handled in comparison to the men's tournament. Everything from the swag bags, the weight room, to the food, just we're very different from one to the other. And understanding that two things are going to be different in two locations, it was even just the men's tournament, the swag bags were just like everything fully branded in NCAA men's basketball tournament, but the women's were like NCAA basketball, like women's basketball. It just like, it didn't even like, you carry that water bottle, water bottle around afterward, no one's gonna know that it's from the NCAA tournament, which you've worked your butt off to get to. So it was just like all of these little things People, there was an outcry. The NCAA, with the help of a lot of people, fixed some of these things very quickly, but it really shined a light on what was really a sign that they kind of were treating the women's tournament like a chore. And it came back with the NCAA women's volleyball tournament. And I want to just stop right here and say, for the people who want to go, but what about non-revenue sports in total? Or what about this or that? 100% I hear you like non-revenue sports have we we really should be having bigger conversations about how the NCAA treats everything like how they treat right. everyone what I don't want people to do is go well what about men's cross country in comparison to football or women's softball in comparison to um, men uh a lot of it is to football. Um, right. That's what people like to do. It's apples and oranges. What I need you to do is go, how are you treating? So if you're treating the men's basketball tournament like this, that is how you should treat the women's basketball tournament. And I really don't want to hear the revenue thing because the NCAA is here for the equality of its teams. Like they're here to provide the experience of the student athlete. They're here to fight for their student athletes. They're here to protect their student athletes. They're here to give them the experience. If you want to sit here and go, well, it's all about revenue, then for the most part, basketball or excuse me, football is driving the ship. So I guess don't give a, sh excuse me, I was going to curse. Um, don't care about anything else then. Like, just don't care about anything else. The thing that, and to go to my Twitter thread, in a normal year, normal, quote unquote, normal, the NCAA in a lot of these instances, whether it's baseball, softball, uh, men's and women's basketball tournament, volleyball tournaments, you name it, gymnastics, both men's and women's, they have host sites. It's this big deal. People apply. They, they want to host. And then when you think of like the championships, when you get to like the final four, the sweet, you know, sweet 16, elite eight, whatever, whenever they get to the point where they go to like one location, depending on the sport, I want to be clear. That's why I'm saying that. Don't go just to the men's game because it's different depending on which one you're talking yeah. about. Um, depending on when you get to that, those sites also buy for it. Omaha wants to host. Omaha wants to be the host of the final four in the national championship for bat or for volleyball, because of course Omaha does. This is like their thing. They're good at this. They get Creighton, UNO, Nebraska, all having this chance. Of course. So anyway, my point here is in a normal year, when you get these teams, what happens is 
long story short, it's the NCAA who sets the like guidelines. This is how we're going to make them equal. And this is what you have to do and what you have to provide and blah, 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 blah. The, the host is the one rolling out the red carpet. The host is the one that is providing you the, you know, the practice facility. They're the ones who are making sure everything is equipped. Like you have everything you need. You're using their weight facilities. You're using everything that they have set up. They have bid for this moment because they want you there. So they're the ones doing everything. In a year where the NCAA has had to act as the host, they have basically said, the women's tournaments don't matter all that much to us, at least not enough to care about them, to put the thought into them, to really make them the experience. So when you start to hear about, well, the practice court is probably not going to be as safe as it could be. Oh, there's not really a fair changing location. Um, on top of it, it seems like we keep limiting travel rosters to the point where like in the women's basketball tournament, coaches who have infants were having to determine if they could bring their infant child who needs to be fed with them because it counted against their travel roster. Like this is all just so bonkers. It shouldn't be how it is. I'm not doing a good job because I'm still so frustrated by this, but I think when I put the NCAA on blast, I also am putting on blast all the people who are giving the NCAA an out. I have read way too many people who have said, well, they're just doing their best. They're just doing their best. Here's the thing. The NCAA lives by people who allow them to just do their best. The NCAA is going to continue to do exactly what they're doing because you are allowing them to through. They're just doing their best. You cannot do that. You have to hold them accountable. You have to ask them for more. Their job is to fight for their student athletes. So an ESPN, who, by the way, for the first time, bid to have access to the entire women's volleyball tournament. I want to be clear about this. In a normal year, I keep using normal, like what's normal anymore? But in a typical year prior to this, when somebody like ESPN has had the rights, those first couple of rounds where they're at a host location, if ESPN didn't want the like rights to that game for whatever reason, they're like, eh, you know, it's not like, we don't want to put that on ESPN three today. A place like NET or the big 10 network could get access to it and show it. They had the ability to, when you're ESPN and you have access to the whole tournament and you say, we're not going to like show the first two, of course, people are ticked off because in a, in a typical year, somebody else would have had the ability to at least broadcast it on a local level for the teams who wanted the schools who wanted to see their teams. It's frustrating because people allow this behavior to continue. I'm going to take way too much time, but I just, (laughs) um, I, I hope people can hear my frustration here because the NCAA should be better. They haven't been better, and I'm tired of people allowing them to act this way. I'm, a, I'm tired of people giving them that out. Like the, it's cool, don't worry about it, you're doing your best. I think your best can be better, and the athletes certainly deserve it. And I'm frustrated that these conversations even have to happen. I don't think anyone's whining. I think the complaints and the concerns of the coaches, the athletes, and the media are valid. And if people didn't bring these things to light, it never would get better. So NCAA, do better. People who want to, like, give the NCAA an out, I just want to remind you, you're usually complaining about them somewhere else. Remember that they're not equitable and fair, despite that being in their bylines pretty much everywhere. 
do not just give them an out right here. They don't deserve it. They should be better. <laughs> if, I, if, if I, I could clap, I guess there's nothing. Keeping, <laughs> I, I didn't mean, do I a very good clap. job of that. My brain um, is like a jumbled no, mess. No, no, I was, <laughs> I'm, I'm vibing with you. Um, I like it. I hear the passion. I can tell that you're frustrated. Um, I, God, there's so many things. Um, I, I do think that it's, it's weird that the NCAA, the revenue thing I want to hit on quickly, and, be, and spoiler alert, I was going to put the NCAA on blast anyway, like even yes, if Yes, put them on blast. Not uh, the person here, they were going on blast. And if you remember to last week, the NCAA actually went on blast for me last week for the way that they handled the women's tournament. So they're going back to back. I think the NCAA has now taken the mantle from Paul George as the <laughs> most like, times put on blast. Um, we don't like Paul George around here. Sorry, spoiler alert. Um, and so... I think the revenue thing is ridiculous because allegedly that's not what the NCAA is about, right? Like that's all we hear. When we start to talk about um, NIL and we start to talk about um, paying athletes, like we're not, all of a sudden that's not what we're here for, right? But we, because we just want people, like we want people to go pro in things other than sports. Like we want to be fair and equitable. So I don't like that excuse or reason um i do think it's wild um and i do think that these folks need to be put on blast too um the people making excuses for the ncaa are also ridiculous um because like you so nicely put um they have no problems taking shots at the ncaa in other in every other instance ever Mm -hmm. um so what's the difference here like and we also have a situation where it's totally cool for certain sports to use their voices to complain about the conditions that they're in or the situations that have happened to them, but somehow this one, they're whiny. Like it, it's, that's, like, I feel like it's one of those things in some cases where you're almost telling on yourself by the response that you have. And so it gets to be a little bit like, wait a second, like I'm looking at you a little sideways. I'm doing it right now. You can't see yeah. me. I'm doing it right now. Like you, like you guys can't. Um, and so it, it's just weird. Like I didn't think that there's a lot here that isn't right. And I don't understand why it even has to be this way because it's as simple as a couple of different things. Like with the women's tournament, it was as simple as this is what we did for the men. Just this is what we need to do for the women. With the volleyball tournament, it's we should be learning because let's say this okay when obviously these plans for the volleyball tournament did not just come to be in the last like couple weeks right they've been doing these so then at some point when you saw what happened with the women's tournament shouldn't you at least have been the women's basketball tournament shouldn't you have at least then said let's do a quick quality control check to see what's happening with our tournament and where we are with volleyball and make sure everything's on the up and up. We don't want to end up like them. Like we just like even that self-preservation mode, like that didn't happen. So I just, it's, it's all strange on how we got here. And here's, here's what I would say for people who, if you're listening and you're like, you have somebody in mind, I I'm going to tell you, you probably are right about that. If you have somebody in mind where you're like, yep, I know who you're talking about. I promise you we're talking about multiple people because I have seen people. I I read like, for instance, a USA Today column where the person writing it was basically saying everyone is whining. This is just taking another shot at the NCAA for the sake of being woke. And it was just so dumb. I've read more columns than I expected of people basically saying like this is all just to like show people that 
we want equality, which I'm like, that's like, oh, I just want to like, and I'm like, I don't really understand like what's bad about it's this. Bad, it's that bad. <laughs> but I think this is where if you were to be challenged into thinking about it, yeah, when it comes to like Nebraska, for instance, a lot of people applauded Nebraska's football team for stepping up and fighting for a season, which I understand was a lot of the Big Ten decision, not the NCAA. But if you're going to say that, like, good job for them, good job for the football team for speaking up, don't say that the don't say that John Cook and volleyball is whining because I want to say if you don't actively listen or cover volleyball take a step back and allow the people who do to speak up because Nicklin Haynes spoke last week. She's one of Nebraska's best players. She just won all big 10, whatever, or was just named to all big 10 um, first team to be clear. She didn't complain about this at all. She just said, we're glad and grateful to be doing it. So she did exactly what people have asked where they're like, ah, oh, they should just be grateful she did. She is grateful, but being grateful for something also doesn't mean that like someone like John Cook then can't go and say, I want the best for my athletes. I want the best experience. I want the best setup. I want to prevent injuries. I want to give them the best nutrition. I want to do all of these things, not because I'm not grateful for the chance to be here, but because that is what we should do. If you are a true leader, which is what the NCAA should be, you should want that for all of your athletes. Revenue should not matter. You should be treating your athletes fair. And, and there's a line about equality in the NCAA's bylaws. That is what matters. Treat your athletes fairly. Treat them with equality. Fight for them. Show up for them. The NCAA is not doing that. And if they're doing it for one sport but not another, that doesn't give them a pass. It is a 2020 and 2021 have shined a very bright spotlight on the NCAA, and I do not think that's a bad thing. And anyone who wants to defend it, just spare me. It's not about being woke. It's not about being whiny. It's not about anything. It's about showing up, doing what you are supposed to for the athletes that you represent. Because if you don't, you're kind of a worthless organization then. That is a perfect place to leave it this week. <laughs> Subscribe to the podcast everywhere you can listen to them. Rate us and leave us a five-star review. If you leave four, I'm inclined to think you are a hater and nobody wants that. Uh, make sure you are checking out the other podcasts on the Hale Varsity Network, the Mind Your Own podcast with Aaron and Sasha, uh, the Varsity Club, more to it, and the Hale Varsity radio show. Also, check out the Hale Varsity YouTube page. We'll have another recruiting video of the week with Aaron and I. Aaron will get enough of me um, today. Uh, next week, I will be back with another guest. We also have um, an email that you can email me at, at straightupbreakdown at hailvarsity.com. And you can get after us on Twitter at GregSmithHV and at Aaron Sorensen. I will catch you next time. A Huda Media Production.